My, my, folks, it's that time of the week. Once again, Uticast episode number 69. We're back, and so are the boys from Nomad Cinema, Mike Flores and Mario Restive, joining us after just 10 episodes as we get ready for the Franklin Square Fright Night event going on on October 22nd. Uh, plus, uh, Mara is back this week. She returns to talk with Kevin and I um, about Mayor Paul Mary talking about the tax increase, about a 1.2 billion pound cheese surplus, uh, about Al Capone. Uh, we're going to be talking about technological unemployment, and of course, we're going to be talking about the decade when we all lose our friends, those sweet, sweet 30s. Uh, Uticast folks, we're here to tell you a story, and we're glad you showed up. here. Hi, Kev. How you doing, buddy? I am here. I am here through still and storm. Steadfast. Mm. Mm, I gotta tell you, my stress levels were high today. You saw me when you we came in. You seem highly stressed. I was, okay, yeah, you're really stressed out. Are you okay? What's going on? <laughs> you're acting nuts. It's just been a lot, man. Uh, you know, sometimes, it's funny, uh, ever since I started carrying the day planner, right, which has been a big moment in my adult life for me that I actually require a day planner now. Finally getting a day planner off, yeah. But I'm actually, but I re- almost require it now. Like it's yeah, no yeah. longer like something I want to do. It's something I require daily. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes I live by this thing and I'm looking at last week and this week, and I knew midway through last week, I'm like, this is going to be a rough go. A lot of stuff, a lot of events. I was at the Masonic home for that uh, breast care, uh, breast cancer walk to, this yeah. walk, the stride to walk, There's a, it's a long title. The Masonic Homes uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Walk they had. Yo, how nice is the Masonic Home? Yo, so nice. Real quick Yo, sidebar. The Masonic, you know, Masonic if you've got to retire and go to a home, mm. Masonic Home is mm. the home. And I think it's really expensive. And you might, it's crazy expensive. You might have to like be in the club. I remember mm. my great-grandmother was there when I was younger. Oh, yeah. I remember being blown away by the facilities. It's a beautiful facility. Um, and they haven't even put up their Wonderland of Lights yet, which I do every year, even though I'm not... I think Christmas gets overhyped a lot, especially up here with all the snow. But Wonderland of Lights is is awesome. You gotta take awesome. you gotta take time to you gotta take a moment to reflect on Christmas during Christmas. It's important. I'm 100 percent with. It. I'm not one of these. I think it's become very in vogue to hate Christmas now. Sure. I say to you, no. I don't hate. No, I think not I, you, but I mean, like right, right. you talk to a lot of people, like, oh, I hate Christmas. And as you get older, it certainly loses the magic. Please find a little bit of time during your Christmas season to recapture the magic, if, even if only for as long as it takes you to drive through Masonic Home. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. And look, we're big holiday guys here. I'm, I support holidays. Matter of fact, next week's episode, episode number 70, uh, is going to be our second annual uh, Uticast Halloween Spectacular. So send in your Uticast uh, mailbag questions, Uticast at gmail.com. Uh, please make them uh, festive. Spooky? Only like, festive questions? Only festive, spooky, spooky Halloween. Spooky questions only. Yeah. Just um, make that the rule every week. Oh Yeah, every week. Only <laughs> Specifically this week for Halloween. But in general, more spooky questions. I like spooky questions. Uh, speaking of Halloween, we, got, uh, we have quite the weekend uh, planned for you folks uh, if you're looking for something excellent to do on Saturday. If you're looking to get festive. If you're looking to get particularly festive this weekend. Kev, you want to start off here? I'll start off because it's earlier in the day. So uh, from 1 to 5 at the brewery, Saranac Brewery, down in West Utica, 
there's going to be the first, uh, it's going to be like an Oktoberfest. Mm. It's getting called Hoptoberfest because for the, the annual hop picking that they do every year, there's like 400 people out there, uh, tons of people picking all these hops and harvesting them. You just make a beer to sort of say thank you for these people coming That's out and like, doing the work on a farm. It's like a volunteer thing. They come out nice. and there's beers. And so they come back and they get a party every year. This year we rolled it into a full Oktoberfest. So from one to five, uh, putting a giant tent out in the Thursday lot. There's going to be uh, traditional German music. There's going to be a band playing German music, German dancers. There's going to be German food going on. And we're going to have this uh, one-time, one-off beer called Hoptoberfest. It's yes. going to be for this event one only. Off. So that's going from one to five. It's 10 bucks to get in. It's going to be a really good time. I'm excited about it. It's like, it's crazy to work at a play. You know, we do things like Saranac Thursdays that are almost like you're unconscious because you do them so often over and over. Oh, yeah. It's exciting to do something where it's like the first time. You know what I'm I mean? A, like, I'm a big fan of a one-off. Huge fan of one-offs. One-offs one is the bad. way to go. A little pop-up shop action. And then after we get down to Hoptoberfest, how would you tell the people? Oh, well, I will. Uh, starting at 6.30, you folks can join us for another special Halloween-themed edition of the Franklin Square film series featuring our good friends and this week's interviews, uh, Nomad Cinema, plus the lads at Bite Bakery and Made in Utica, of course. Uh, October 22nd, 6.30 p.m., we'll be showing the family-friendly classic Hocus Pocus. And then at 8 o'clock, uh, be ready to get scared in the dark. Uh, Halloween, the original classic, 8 o'clock. Little Halloween double feature for you. And I suppose if you don't know, I mean, you've been living under a rock if you don't know this, but like if you bring your kids to Hocus Pocus... Think long and hard about if you want your kids also watching Halloween. Like, <laughs> Halloween's got killing. Halloween's going to be scary. Because I'm just saying, because for a lot of these, it's, true. it's so awesome it's to true. see all the families that have come out for the Franklin Square Film Series events at the mm-hmm. end of the summer. And it's awesome. And you see so many, like, young kids and families. But, like, if you're bringing your five and six-year-olds out there for, like, a fun festive night, okay. maybe take off before Halloween. Go home. Well, <laughs> we talked about it with Mike and Mario this week, right? Yeah. Even the movies we showed for the last series of uh, of the Franklin, uh, Franklin Square Film Series... Jaws, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters. All of these are widely accepted, family-friendly movies-ish, right? They're all rated PG. They're classics. They're classics. It, all those movies have at least one scene that I forgot was in the movie that definitely, if not uh, traumatized my nieces and nephews, at least gave them something to think about on the ride home. I think that's fair, but also Halloween, like you've got just like a Halloween, murdering yeah. spree. Yeah, Halloween's a and straight a up And a monster doing movie. murdering sprees out of closets, I think is a little bit different than a dinosaur like eating a man out of the toilet. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, don't let your kids watch Halloween. Hocus Pocus, No, maybe though. you can, because I watch, you know what? I, I love scary movies. You know this about me. I'm a big horror movie guy, like all sorts of scary, creepy, all that stuff. Um, I started when I was really young. I actually, I was, it was like Christmas. I think it was a holiday and I was mm-hmm. up late or I was like one of the kids up late, like the Christmas Eve party upstairs with a bunch of my older cousins watching probably like uh, Friday the 13th or something, some scary movie. Usually one of those. So I started really young. So like kids can handle Halloween, but you know, you probably know your kid well enough to know whether you can or can't because I walked into my older relatives watching one of the Friday the 13th movies was my first experience oh, yeah? with, like, a horror movie. Like, my sisters and my, my cousins from, uh, my cousins who live out in uh, Florida now, shout out to them, they were all watching this horror movie at my grandmother's house. I think it was, in hindsight, I think it was, like, Friday the 13th part, like, four. It was, like, some <laughs> terrible, like, horror movie. It was four on, was like, actually the best one. Is four the good one? I think so, yeah. Is that the one with, uh, one of the Corys, Corey Feldman, or Corey Haim is in that one. I what? couldn't speak There to was that. one famous actor in that one. Anyhow, I walked in just as Jason was attacking a, a young couple in love in their automobile, and I was definitely traumatized as a young child watching Jason do even edited for television gore. I was not pleased with what I had to see. Uh, anyhow, 
So yeah, Franklin Square Film Series. Hey, listen, Hoptoberfest, 1 to 5. Franklin Square Fright Night, 6 to 6.30 till question mark. Uh, that's a that's a great Halloween extravaganza, festive. And I think it does uh, it does bear in mind to say you know we're getting towards the end of October. You never know what the mm. weather's going to be like. We oh, had some yeah. dumb weather this uh, over the past <laughs> weekend. Um, I can say for Hoptoberfest, it's all going to be under a tent. The tent will be heated, even if it's really cold. We're going to throw some heaters sure. out there just in case. Um, but look at the weather and plan for it, and bring blankets if you're going to be sitting outside watching movies. Oh yeah, and I got to tell you, I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. Like I think that's cool. It's there's, a, <laughs> there's a weird. It's like going to watch a hockey game in person as opposed to watching it at your house. You can't feel the cold from the ice. There's going to be something very uh, fitting about watching a scary movie. A little cold, a little chilly. Thinking about Michael Myers, and he's like walking back to your car. After the after the movie's over, got to walk back to your car. A little spookiness. I like a little spooky Halloween action. the soundtrack really loud for 20 minutes after the movie, so everybody walking back yes. to their cars hears the Halloween theme while they're yes. walking back. Yes. Um, yeah, was, well, we'll we'll do a whole episode next week, Halloween episode. We'll talk a lot about horror movies and stuff, and I'm I'm excited to get into that. So let's not get too heavy into this. Why don't we uh, Why don't we go ahead and bring Mara back? Mara's yeah. back. Mara's back. She's back. Another episode. Mara's back. Storm in the green room. Got to get her out here. I know she's trouble. She's she's ready. She looks like she's pumped up. Pumped up for some just podcasting. <laughs> Podcast pumped. Podcast pump. We'll be back in just a minute. Projecting, Mara. You're not projecting as well as I had hoped. Okay. I'm gonna need more projection. <laughs> need a full right. projection screen. Projection. Project. That's pretty good. That's that good. was good. Say, All right. Well, Mara, you're back. Welcome back. Another Thank week. You. Oh, you're recording. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I wanted her to get some pronunciation on the air. It's important oh. that people know we're giving her a hard time. Projection. She's learning. Projection. Projection. Yeah, mm. I got. It's it. all about the big P's. Projection. <laughs> projection and a pronunciation. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Projection and pronunciation. That's how you become a capital P, lowercase j, professional journalist. Oh Come to the Uticast for the, the big P's. The big that, P's that's your, that's and, the low, and the small J's. Big P's, okay, small J's. That's not a good idea. No. Okay, this is all very poor. Just, this is all, yeah. We're off to a bad, we're in a bad place right now. Mara, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, you came directly from the gym. Oh. Like a boss. How Killing it at the gym before the podcast. How did you... Oh, I told you. <laughs> yeah, how did you, how know? Did you know? That's how you knew. Uh, no, and I appreciate that because one of the things I... You know, Kev, you were, you were here to see it, Mara. You obviously weren't. Uh, during the Boilermaker prep, I was out here doing work. I was doing my yoga. Mm-hmm. I was doing my, my heavy bag training in the basement. Mm-hmm. I was hitting up the running. I was doing it at least two times a week. Trying to do it three or four, but it wasn't always good. But still, right. I was doing something. And now, I've entered into that time of the year where working out and taking care of my body and what I do like health wise is such a low priority that I feel terrible about my life like I don't know if it's the time of year or just my headspace but I I haven't done anything physical since like yesterday when I walked at that uh I I went walking for the the breast cancer walk for work but even shots are on point in the foot I walked two and a half miles and I was dying I was like oh I'm so tired what happened to me it's the lack of vitamin d it could be a lack of vitamin That's D. That's what it is. You're tired. You don't want to do anything. Mm. I'm the same way. 
Are you like a gym rat though? Do you do we secretly not know that you're like a gym rat? Oh, I didn't know it was a secret, but I don't think it was a secret. I, I think, didn't know. I think you're the only one who didn't Am know. I? No. Yeah. Yeah. Keep yeah. up. What's your What's your gym method of choice? Do you like a cardio person? Picks things up and she puts them down. Yeah. Mm. I used to do like strongman comps and stuff. Really? Yep. So if we had an arm wrestling match right now, you'd probably I'd dominate. I probably win. <laughs> she, I, this, I, I need to see this. <laughs> no. I need to see this, but hit stop. We're this done with the show. This is only audio. <laughs> no, we do we video can, content here, too. We can, we can do video content. If you want to listen to it on the audio, it'll just be my hand smashing against the table. It'll be your bones uh, I want to talk about this. So you just brought this up to me. You just joined the roller derby team. Well, I'm, I'm practicing. I'm at the newbie practices right now. And then if I get good enough, then, yeah, I think that would be the next step. What uh, what spurred this decision? Did you get egged on? Or did it just, like, fascinate you? Um, Actually, no, my friend Hillary Snoggles, I just took her engagement photos, and she was talking about this uh, charity event that they were doing with um, this adoption center, mm. um, this animal adoption center. So I was like, wow, this makes me want to do roller derby so bad. <laughs> and I've seen so many things about it, but I've never seen anyone actually doing it, and I didn't realize it was something they had around here. Mm. And Hillary's a great girl so i was like all right well if they're like hillary they'll probably be like you know really mm. nice so i went and it was awesome yeah yeah they're kind of big with it around here actually cny roller derby's been doing their thing for a good long time see i've yeah. just had the shades over my eyes see? yeah shout out to my girl foxy Moneybags, good friend of the pod former podcast mm-hmm. guest who's been on the show well, there you go yeah. that's actually um, exciting one of the things i she always talked about and i'm curious uh, see what you think about it she always talked about how the roller derby uh just in general, the roller derby vibe built like a nice amount of like sisterhood between people. Do you sort of feel that when you walked in? Did yeah, you, like... that was kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to do that. I don't really have anything too specific like that around here, so mm. I think that'd probably be the best way for me to you know make new friends, get involved with another group of people in this area that I don't know. Mm. So um, everyone was really sweet. Everyone was yeah. really welcoming. And um, I could definitely feel that bond the moment I walked into practice. I think the only important question on everybody's mind is, have you picked out your roller derby name yet? Yes. No, Very actually, important. it's good that you bring that up. I like, I don't, I never have any nicknames. Like, I don't want to say it. People used to call me Marmar all the time. Marmar. And it's very simple. I get it, but I don't. I'm sorry if anyone calls me that. I secretly don't like it. I really don't. I've been called it forever. And every time someone says it, it makes it seem like it's the first time. Kevin actually doesn't have that many nicknames over the years. Uh, and you don't like any of the nicknames I've attempted to give you. You certainly don't like Big Kev. Uh, no. Oh, no. no. You know, because you know what the thing is? It's so, it's such low-hanging fruit. It's so low effort. It's like, find something. Find so- if I'm forced to find something for all of you little tiny um. gnomes, then you should be able to find something different for me. Oh, that's Yeah, but true. to be fair, you've gotten kind of a bad draw of the straw with the nickname game because Sully... False. I think I'm killing it. Oh, Sully. But so- there's Sully, every- Sully is my brother. My brother is Sully. Oh, okay. And I almost, and outside of the Sullivans that I know, which is you and your brother and your close family, pretty much every Sullivan is called Sully. Mm. If your last name is Sullivan, there's True. like a... More a, low-hanging fruit. Yeah. I just, you know, I just want, I want some people to, you know, put in care. a little bit of effort. You want them to care. You know what I mean? Is it so mm. bad that I want people to put in a little bit of effort for me? That's fair. <laughs> did, did, like, Twitter handles and social media handles take over, the, like, your nicknames? Like, I'm more willing to call somebody by their social media handle than I am to call them by a nickname. Yeah. You're, you only feel that way because you want more people to call you SF Doom. 
I do want more people See? to call me SF See? Doom. I have a lot of pride with SF Doom. But, you know, I, I do that to Dirty Jurors images all the time when he comes to the studio. Oh, I'm like, Dirty Jurors. Yeah, well. That's a good one. That's a good one, though. That's a good That's nickname, fun to say. Though. Yeah, it's fun to say, and it's different. Mm. No one else has it. It's got some spice to it. Flip side of that coin, what's the worst nickname? You said Marmar's, you didn't like that one. Oh, huh. There's no, a, well, there's a lot it. of, I mean, anything could really be a bad nickname. Like, it's probably tons. I got, it depends how you got it. Or why you got that Now, nickname. see, my most famous nickname uh, was back in the day when we were playing in bands. Uh, Kevin and our good friend Pat started referring to me as The Rip Dog. You remember that one? Because you would always come in to band practice and be like, yo, I wrote this song. I'm like, that's already a Newfound Glory song. Yes. <laughs> or that's already yes. uh, somebody else's song. Yeah. It's always ripping off. Ripping them oh up. Oh, my gosh. The Rip Dog. And I didn't like The Rip Dog at first, and then I kind of got into it. And then now as I get farther away from it, I like it less. I don't know why. It's. A I think we're, we're past dog as a suffix, I think. Dog. As a society, we're not doing dog on nicknames anymore. Yeah, yeah it was we should let that go. It was spelled in that dated D-A-W-G way, too. Like R-I-P. Oh, no. D-A-W-G. The Yikes. dog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you took it um, too far. <laughs> yeah, too far. I took it a step too far, and that's okay. You know, we take things far in the show sometimes, and in life, we take things too far sometimes as well. Good point. Take it to the um, limit. FAMO has been a great nickname for me. That's still my... I go back with that one as the one that I'm going to ride or die with, probably. Just FAMO. Easy enough. Four letters. Did Somehow, you also give yourself that nickname? No, that nickname... <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, that nickname runs in the family. There are about three different people in my family, the Famolaros, who call themselves FAMO colloquially. Uh, Dano, on my former podcast, Dan Avisato of FAMO and the Wookiee podcast, came up with the name FAMO and the Wookiee podcast, thus... Famo came into sort of common usage. I feel like people did call you that though a little bit. Like there were definitely Back people when we were younger who called you that. Yeah, for a short name. Your last name is a mouthful. My last name is a mouthful for sure. At least you only got one last name. That's true. That's easier. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, mm-hmm. pick on the new girl. That's yeah, fine. Whatever you say, Marmar. Yo, so I, I, I didn't plan. I, yo, I didn't plan on asking oh, you this, man. but since we're talking about it, uh, you're you're way too young to be thinking about it. But you already have the hyphenated last name. Yeah. Let's say you get married. Are you going to add another hyphen? Well, you go three hyphens with the you know name. What, I what if you marry that? somebody with a hyphenated That's name? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just find a guy with a hyphenated name and then just piss a lot of people off all the time? But then, you know, I already don't like signing the two last names anyway. It's going to be more of a burden on me. But I would prefer to have one, but I like having two. But yeah, I will. If your name is hyphenated, hmm. you know, I'm interested. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is kind of random. I'm into the idea. Like, if you get married, just keeping your names and just being married, right? You can do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, as long as you got the ring and the documentation, what's the point of the last name necessarily, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. if someone... I, I just... I never, you could. I, I mean, know I, a lot of people would. I wouldn't begrudge anybody their own choice that yeah. they made. You yeah. know what I mean? I would never put up a stink about having somebody take my last name. Mm. I feel like I would probably prefer it, push comes to shove, but then when I think about it, I don't actually care mm. at all. Mm. You know what I mean? You have a common last name. I would have a hard time... Uh, forcing Famolaro on somebody who has a dope last name. Like, if you have a good last name, <laughs> like, not for, you know, not to pull the curtain back too far, my, my former girlfriend in New York, Aaron Arthur, great name, phenomenal name. Oh, She's yeah. the best. It would be kind of disingenuous to her to force her to change that dope last name mm. to something that is kind it of... It won't flow anymore. It won't flow the way it should. Yeah. I feel like the Sullivan name is a gift. Yes. Oh my God. And here you go. 
Okay. Um, you can be a Sully now. By the way, if you... It's so great. And before we move on to the new segments we were going to talk about before we got off on a tangent about roller derby and nicknames, um, if you go to a roller derby contest and don't refer to yourself as Notorious M.A.D., you've made a mistake. Oh, no. I feel like she can do better. And you can do better I than that. I have to. Please don't make me do that. You can do, do better that. than that. Uh, oh, God, that my whole life. But don't, listen, don't, please don't cop out and do some real basic stuff like Mara Murder. I'm Mara Murder. No, I don't do that. It, it passed my mm. my brain area mm. and then it just mm. went away so fast. You should just have the listeners, listeners out there, anyone who's listening, send us your Twitter your Twitter ideas, send us a mailbag question at at gmail.com or hit us on Twitter or Facebook. Help give Mara a roller derby nickname. Guys, and that's also, such a good idea. Oh. And also, gentlemen, if you have a hyphenated last name, slide into Mara's DMs <laughs> yes. directly. Yes. She's looking to really saddle her children with some problems. <laughs> oh my God, please. Please don't put me through this. No, go ahead. All right, so let's, uh, I have three quick uh, news stories uh, today. First one, uh, it's not. It's about the election, but we're not going to talk about politics. How's that sound for okay. you? That well, sounds like a lie. It sounds like a lie. <laughs> yeah. uh, New York's uh, New York State today set a record uh, for online voting registration uh, between the beginning of October, uh, October first, and Friday. Uh, online voter registrations topped out at two hundred and fourteen thousand people. That's awesome. Breaking the previous record by almost sixty thousand additional voters. Now, I'm very glad that people are registering to vote. Please go out there and vote. It does make me wonder who they're registering to vote for, <laughs> right? Like, I'm very uh, curious. Are uh, people, like, piling on the registrations to jump on the Trump bandwagon? No. Or are they piling on to get away from Trump? <laughs> I can't tell. I think it's the second one. Honestly. I think that this, I don't think that it's specifically either candidate, but I think because this election cycle has been so crazy, it's been almost like reality TV, mm -hmm. which, when you think about it, is a type of uh, form of communication that a lot of people can identify with and see. So I'd like to think idealistically and that a lot of people are registering to vote because for the first time, the election has their attention. Yeah. For the first time in probably a lot of people's lives, they're mm. actually paying attention to electoral mm -hmm. politics. Mm -hmm. yeah. So hopefully that's what's happening. That's a good point. My other assumption on this is the key word on this online voter records uh, the new voters who are coming in, 17, 18, 19-year-old, people who are registering to vote are probably registering online. They're probably not walking down to the old voter registration booth. Probably don't even know how to get there. I don't even know if there is a voter registration <laughs> booth. Where do you go? City Hall, I suppose, right? I don't know. I registered when I was in, like, senior year in government class. Yep, me too. Been I did ever too. Since. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way to do it, guys. Public education. They'll register you to vote right in class. Yeah, just do yeah. it then. And, and do it. Uh, I do have one local news story here for you guys. Uh, Mayor Paul Mary announced today that... Uh, good, good friend of the podcast. Good friend of the podcast. Another former podcast guest who's more than welcome to come back on anytime. Talk about Led Zeppelin. Since that's what we Ask if about. we can be his goon squad. Yo, I'm trying to be on his goon squad. <laughs> Yo, we'll talk about that in private. Uh, <laughs> but he announced today that we are increasing our tax base by more than $8 million this year. The largest tax increase in over 10 years. Uh, some people will certainly be mad about this, although as a dirty, dirty liberal, or I've been called on the internet, uh, you can't do things in the government without raising taxes. That's how we build the funds to make things better. So it doesn't bother me as much as it probably should. Uh, what are your thoughts about the tax increase? Uh, it's it's We're going to have to. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand what other solution anybody thinks is ever going to going to come into play. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't understand any other way that people think if you just keep cutting taxes and cutting taxes and cutting down the revenue, you're never going to be able to rebuild into the type of place that people want to come to to provide for a strong revenue base mm -hmm. again. 
So if you're going to sit here, I mean, you can keep dropping the taxes, but then you start dropping stuff like, you know, city services and different DPW stuff and different, like, you know, revitalization projects. Yeah. You keep dropping that. It's just a downward spiral. And that's where I think one of the prime issues lays in austerity when people get to this thing like, oh, we've got all these problems. We have to stop taxing, cut the taxes. Okay, but where are you going to get the money from then? Yeah. Right. And that's one of those things I never understood growing up. Like my, well, it's funny because like my parents and grandparents growing up, they were just like, don't raise the taxes, don't raise the taxes. So you you grow up hearing like raising taxes inherently is a bad thing, right? Like, because mm -hmm. that's what that generation of voters felt. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until later on that you understand the reasons behind raising taxes. Although, also to be fair, our opinion is only semi-valid because none of us are property owners. Yeah. I won't feel this tax increase. This tax increase matters to me not even a little bit. Right. You right. know what I mean? So, it's easy for me to get up here and be like, ha ha, raise the taxes all the way up, you sons of bitches. Mm. But like... Well, you know, uh, the backing behind this obviously is the successful marketing of many foreclosed properties that have happened over the last few years in the city. Uh, particularly, nine of the eleven that have been foreclosed and, and rebuilt have been in the downtown Utica Bag Square district. So, a lot of this increase ties directly into the um, the process of revitalizing the city that we've seen happen. So, tying back into a thing we always talk about. The revitalization Utica, we didn't get to the finish line, we got to the starting line. Yeah. These are all processes that will continue going forward when we revitalize this city, and we just need to be aware of it. So, there we go. That was kind of heavy. I got a light story for you guys, if you guys are ready. Absolutely. Guys, we are entering, we talked last week about natural disasters, but we are entering a natural disaster of epic proportions. Guys, we have a cheese surplus. Really? Yes, have you heard about this? No. What? Yeah. I love uh, anything about cheese, though. So. <laughs> okay. Tell me right, more about the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> right now, currently, in this country, we have a 1.2 billion pound surplus of cheese in cold storage that we can do nothing about. <laughs> you can give it to Primar me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we were going to give it to you and spread it out across, uh, across the United States, that would require each cheese-eating individual in this country to eat an additional three pounds of cheese a year. I will I will gladly take over seven people's spots. Yes. I'm sitting here trying to think about it. You spread out three pounds of cheese over a year? <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, I, I found this. Yeah. I found this on the internet just now, and I thought it was the weirdest story I'd ever heard. Apparently, we've just been producing cheese for no reason. <laughs> it's like a bizarre question. It's like, we've just got this cheese and called it, whose cheese? What kind of cheese? Just I feel like that's really the focal point of the question. Is what kind of cheese are we talking uh, about? Oh, Gouda, cheddar. Smoked yes. Gouda, yes. Like if you have smoked Gouda, I'm coming to your home. But like, <laughs> My thoughts are the surplus of cheese we have is probably the most basic types of cheese, right? Just your standard blocks. Is this of, the government cheese they always talk about? Is the government cheese. The government cheese processed cheese <laughs> bad for the dairy farmers but good for the consumer as it has lowered cheese prices down to levels previously unheard of in the cheese buying cheesemonger economy does this so. count processed cheese or cheese product I think mm. it, now that's interesting I don't think that counts as cheese it doesn't okay no. I don't know but they might count it as cheese they might count mm. it as cheese because it's a cheese product I don't know if it is then get rid of it further research necessary on this cheese topic we'll have to come back to this next week on the Halloween episode I think we should which by again reminding you folks next week Halloween episode please send in your Halloween mailbag questions uh, uticast at gmail.com uh, preferably questions that are spooky guys 
Try only spooky questions. Only Send spooky us all questions. your spooky questions. That's a really good idea. Uh, Whoever sends us the best question will come to your house and perform an exorcism. We'll yes. give you candy. At your home. Yes, candy. cheese, <laughs> cheese and candy. <laughs> we'll give you some of that extra That's cheese. what we should do this Halloween. We're only giving away cheese, guys. Come to the oh, house, you're eating cheese. I'm going trick or treating. <laughs> guys, let's you're get into kidnapped. <laughs> let's get into uh, this week's interview uh, with returning guests of the show and the folks we'll be doing this week's upcoming Franklin Square Fright Night with. Uh, that'll be happening on. October 22nd uh, at Franklin Square for free. 6.30, it'll be uh, Hocus Pocus, 8 o'clock Halloween. Uh, look, Mike and Mario, Mike Flores, Mario Restive are the men behind Nomad Cinema. We've done some great work with them in the past with the Franklin Square film series. Uh, this marks the fastest turnaround in podcast history. Only 10 short episodes since last time we had them on the pod. Why, quick, why so quickly, you add? Well, well, because we're doing this event with them. It seemed like it made sense to bring them back. But also because uh, I, as you know, am a movie guy. I love movies. I love talking about movies. And Mike, Mario, and good friend of the pod, Tom Knudsen, are my movie go-to guys. So anytime they they come on the show, I'm more than happy to talk with them. Uh, so let's get right into it. Mike and Mario return from No Man's podcast now and we're trying to get an all-girls podcast going and we're trying to get uh my buddy cliff to do his own podcast and in my in my perfect world where everyone has free time and lots of things where they can just do whatever they want Mm -hmm. i want to do a movie podcast with you guys and good friend of the pod tom knudsen because you guys are like my go-to movie guys well twist my arm (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And for those of you folks who uh, haven't figured out by the title of this episode, uh, Mike Flores and Mario Restive of Nomad Cinema are back! You return. I gotta say, you (laughs) you guys have the shortest turnaround time of anybody in the history of the podcast. No one has ever turned around in less than, like, ten episodes. But you guys, ten on the dot. We needed our fix. (laughs) (laughs) That too. Uh, And because of that, uh, I forgot to do this. Uh, And Mike Beck, a good friend of the pod, Mike Beck, who was here last week, I totally forgot to do this for you. I'm very sorry. Because you guys have returned to the show for a second time. You are presented with this trophy, which we give to all members of the Uticast Two-Timers Club. Congratulations for being top-level two-timers. This is also the, uh, uh, Mario pointed out, your 69th episode. 69th episode, yes. Good good episode to be two-timing on. Yes, a good episode to be two-timing on. (laughs) The zing. (laughs) Uh, Well, guys, uh, you know, we wanted to bring you on last week, and you guys came down the strep throat, and... I'm sorry about that. It's the worst. It's the yeah. worst. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually glad it worked out that way, though, because now we have this new event to talk about that probably wasn't... We hadn't announced wasn't it yet on the table. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so October 22nd, the Franklin Square film series is returning to Franklin Square. It's going to be a double feature starting at 6.30, Halloween Classics, Hocus Pocus, and Halloween. Now, I just want to say this, you know... I, I love all my Maiden Utica guys. I love Justin and Katie, and they're the best. I get a little frustrated with them when they make these decisions about what movies they're going to pick, and they don't consult me. Because <laughs> I, in my humble opinion, 
am the premier voice of film and cinema <laughs> in the Maiden Utica crew. I stand behind that, guys, if you're out there listening. He's going to fight whoever. I'll fight <laughs> uh, So who chose Hocus Pocus in Halloween? Was that a Parkinson decision? Was that uh, a Maiden Utica decision? I had recommended Hocus Pocus. Mm. I know Bite um, had originally wanted to do yeah. Hocus Pocus in October. Um it's it, it. We get great pull with that movie. Yeah, we've yeah. done it once That's before. Classic. It is classic, yeah. and there's we get kids and their parents alike because mm. you know <laughs> they love the movie when they were kids as well. So it's, yeah. I mean that's like most of the movies we choose, I guess. <laughs> But um, that's that's a great movie for uh, mm. kids and adults. Mm-hmm. Now Halloween is an interesting choice because we, so we've had some movies on at the Franklin Square uh, Franklin Square series that were more violent than I expected, and I'm gonna get to that in a minute. Sure. Halloween is the first straight up horror movie we've done with you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to see what the crowd is gonna be like for the the horror movie straight up. Yeah, and I think people are gonna be jonesing for ha- Halloween anything at that point. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to. Mm. Are you guys going in full kit? Are you going to wear costumes? Do you guys have costumes? Can. What I thought about with Halloween, at least, Halloween is a great decision, primarily, at least in my opinion, because doing a double feature, Halloween is not a long movie, necessarily, right. in the realm of, like, it's not, like, three and a half hours long or something. That's a pretty sure. concise movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah great. Maybe my, like, third favorite horror soundtrack behind, I guess, Jaws, if that counts. And then Phantasm, which is a sneaky good movie soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, they just didn't they like re-release that on vinyl not too long. That's ago? a rare. It was a rare vinyl for a yeah. long time until they re-released it. Yeah, that's a fringe Halloween movie for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I do want to talk about fringe Halloween movies with you guys, but I want to get back into something um, from the last series of films, which I sort of touched upon: Jurassic Park, Jaws, and Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. All three of those movies, at least at one point in time in that movie. I had a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Whether it be the scene in Ghostbusters where the ghost fillets Dan Aykroyd, and I was like, oh, that's right. Or that scene in Jaws where Quint's death isn't edited for TV, and it's much more graphic than I remember. And I was like, yes. Uh, It gave my nephew nightmares, both of those things. And and I'm very happy. I'm very happy about that. The ghost Uh, is trying to fillet me. Have Have you ever had problems with this where you've shown movies and people didn't, totally expect him to be is like I know that's a weird uh, the, well I mean the only movie that I can think of we showed uh, Your Next mm. that was uh, that was underground that was part though. of our Nomad Underground series yeah, where it was it was adults only and stuff and yeah. we made sure there was no kids there and I mean we got a lot of people that were like oh that was a really great movie but mm. wow yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we did do Father's Day as part of the oh, underground yeah I forgot that um, Father's Day Father's Day, which I'm not familiar, familiar with Father's Day. What's um, this? It's technically it's, it's technically a trauma release, but yeah, Astron yeah. Six. I love those guys. They they make amazing stuff. Mm. Um, Shout out to Astron. We love you guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a uh, it's a love letter to Grindhouse movies. Oh, and, nice. but it's it's so ridiculous. Like it it's it's bonkers. It's it's hilarious. It's um, incredibly graphic, yeah. incredibly gruesome. And there there was one of our friends brought his father to see it for the first time. <laughs> and we, we made it so it was Father's got in for free. because yep. it was on Father's and, Day. And Father's Day, there's this character called the Fuckman, the Fuckman, the Fuckmanicus. Fuckmanicus. And oh, uh, he rapes, really? he rapes and kills fathers. Oh, good. <laughs> so that's, that's the movie. <laughs> yeah. Let me. Uh, I'm gonna share you guys. So me and Kev used to play in a band mm-hmm. back in the day. That's how we became like tight. And during the course of playing in this band, uh, one of our guitar players, whose name will go unmentioned for the sake of keeping his identity secret, 
developed a bit of a <clears throat> business relationship with an exotic dancer at uh, a strip club in the region. I won't. You can decide. You can figure out which one it is. Um, <laughs> anyhow, somewhere along the way, she decided that, that we were going. Uh, she was making an independent film called "The Space Between Dreams," and we were going to produce some songs for the soundtrack for this movie and they were going to play it at the Capitol Theater for this film festival and we were going to play after the film. It seemed like a nice gig. They gave us the money to record the songs. That's awesome. It was great. It was awesome. And I'm like, I'm big into soundtracks anyway so that was like big for me. So we, we recorded these songs for the soundtrack and we went to the premiere and the uh, one of our songs is the title song. Like the title song, the movie was called Space Between Dreams and one of the songs we wrote played under the intro top of the screen and we were like, yeah man, we're like sitting in the crowd we're like, yeah, it's a pretty cool title too. It was, yeah, it was, <clears throat> that was the only cool thing about it, my friend, because <laughs> it was a, a, a sexually explicit acid trip into a really grimy, dark, dystopian world. It was the weirdest movie. Like, my chemistry teacher came and brought his kid. <laughs> my guitar player's grandparents were in the crowd. There's a scene where, like, someone fillets someone else at gunpoint. There's a scene where a guy is tripping out in a field. It's... <laughs> Whoa. We didn't screen this movie. We had no idea. And we're sitting there in the seat and just shrinking down. I'm like, oh, man, I wish our songs were not associated with this. Like, yeah. There's some way that we could escape this. Uh, so by the time we played on stage afterwards, uh, most of the audience had gone. So, uh, yeah, great times. Wow. So be careful when you, when you get a movie you don't know. <laughs> right, right. And there's going to be some points in, in Halloween where we're going to be like, ooh, this isn't edited for TV. No, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's... Boobies galore. Yeah, not galore, but yeah, not galore. Some, well, the, the quality is galore. <laughs> Halloween is an interesting movie to me because when you watch Halloween now, if you're a kid who watches Halloween for the first time and you're in like your early twenties or whatever, sure, you've never seen it before, you're gonna think it's probably boring because it's like, well, I've seen all this in other movies because right. you don't realize that all the this, other movies. This is what started it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween is uh, like. If you want to make a horror movie, that is a good movie to study. Mm, like yeah. it does everything right. Mm -hmm. um, the the scares, um, the lack of jump scares within yeah. Halloween, yeah. Um, showing base, yeah, yeah the t building tension and showing the subtlety of suspense mixed in with horror. It, I mean, it does it. It does yeah. it well. Yeah. Uh, that movie's just a really well crafted everything, and I think it's a John Carpenter thing for me. Like in that era of John Carpenter movies, it was like collection of everything. It's the, the atmosphere, it's the music, it's the, the way the, the scene is presented, it's the camera work. It all works together really, really well. That movie is very streamlined. Mm -hmm. It's a very, every scene is important in that movie, which is something that, this is my big complaint about movies in general today compared to movies in like the eighties and nineties, right? Because movies are longer, they are not as concise as they they used to be, right? If right. you watch a movie like, even if you go back to like the 1930s, you watch King Kong, right? Mm -hmm. Every scene in that movie is important. It's really short. It's really, really concise. Mm -hmm. you admit, I mean, it's not, it doesn't drag on with exposition. I feel like most movies now, it's like a slog to get to the part that I want to see. Particularly like big budget, like superhero movies, like the Godzilla movie they remade was tough for me. I'm like, why is there so much exposition? I, yeah. I agree to, with you to, in a, to a point. There is yeah. a lot of movies that it almost feels like there's some scenes that are added just to build drama. Right. And they don't always execute that drama very well. Mm. And it kind of it leaves you lacking. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but I agree with you on the King Kong front, too. Yeah. There's like, in, ev in every scene, everybody has a purpose. Mm. Even um, when they first introduce all the monsters in there. Yeah. Um, there's... Um, and I hope I'm not confusing this with another film. Um, he in the original King Kong, he he fights a uh, it's like a T Rex, isn't it? He, he fights, fights a T Rex. Yeah. So when the T Rex comes out, um, even 
like uh, there's actually um, animator study that scene too because even when the T-Rex comes out he scratches his nose mm-hmm. everybody's always doing something uh-huh. they're not just that's, talking heads yeah. so yeah that's yeah again that's yeah, I agree with you <laughs> big stop motion animation Mark that was Willis O'Brien um, I think, right, who did that movie. I think it's Willis O'Brien who did that movie. And Ray Harryhausen, who was, like, the most famous stop-motion animator of all time, was his protege at the time. Mm-hmm. And he talked about that scene, and he said... And his basic thing is, well, you can't have a monster, like, smoke a cigarette or something, so you gotta have it do something with right, its Right, exactly, yeah. just felt like, I guess, just scratch his face, right? <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh, it's really smart, though, because, you know, that's, like, the subtlety... Like, just that scene, especially for stop motion animation, just to film the scene of the dinosaur scratching his face, mm-hmm. probably took like six days. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I mean, that's that's incredibly important. That's that's one of the things that we study in acting as well is that you're mm-hmm. always doing something in a scene. You're not just you're mm-hmm. not just a talking head. You're not just there. Yeah. Do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I took one, Look important. <laughs> I took one acting class in college. Like I took it as one of my electives, like acting one hundred and one. Right. Mm-hmm. Are all those classes everywhere in the world taught by the same old Russian woman? It's always the same, like, old Baltic Did Russian woman. Did she have a, a, a black turtleneck on? Yes, a black turtleneck. And she was very, like, flamboyant, and she was very excited all the time. I, I don't know. I, she must get tons of money. She just goes around college to college. Uh, so, guys, I got a couple things I wanted to shoot at you guys, a couple things I've been thinking about movie-wise related in my head. Uh, first one that I've been thinking about a lot is underappreciated actors. Uh, I said this last night because we watched a movie called Ex Machina. Uh, have yeah. you seen that movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Oscar, Isaac, Oscar Isaac is in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he sort of jumped the shark, and now he's pretty relatively mainstream. But he was a big guy on my underappreciated actor oh, for uh, sure. list yeah. for a while. Anyone you guys can think of specifically that comes to mind for underappreciated actors for you? Actors. You know, we keep it getting questions about actors lately. <laughs> and I guess for the two of us, we don't... I guess we... we in a sense, like, uh, well, I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but, like, I, you know, I love, there's certain performances and stuff that I love, but I've never, mm. like, latched on to any specific actor and said, oh, that guy's my favorite. I'll go see anything mm. that he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, actors. Under, no, man, under, it seems like every actor's <laughs> appreciated. If, if, if you know, <laughs> if um, you oh, know their name, oh, they're being appreciated oh, in one Doug, way or Doug Jones. Doug, Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Oh, the guy uh, from Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. he's uh, one of my favorite character mm-hmm. actors. I mean, he's been in so much, and you, mm-hmm. sometimes you just don't know he's there. Mm-hmm. But Yo, character acting is a crazy... That's the way to do it if you're going to yeah. be an actor. I always yep. think to myself, I just want to be like Joe Don Baker, or like that guy in the movie. He was the guy in Cape Fear who was like the private detective that they hired. He's great. He's like... Was, he's he, a, in, was he in... Uh, no, I'm thinking of Blood Simple, the, the guy that... No, he's an old time. He's he's one of my favorite character actors of all time. Go IMDb Joe Don Baker when you get out of here. He's been in equal amounts of good movies and trash, and it's really yeah. nice, really nice mix. Yeah. All right, let's move away from actors then. Uh, how about most necessary movie remake? People complain a lot about movie remakes. About Monster Squad Two. Monster Squad Two. <laughs> that would be a great remake. No. The time this is right. Actually, did necessary. One. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, we we had a film contest. Uh, Alamo Drafthouse was doing a film contest and. It's the the name of the the contest was unnecessary sequels. Unnecessary sequels. And we did uh, we did Monster Squad two, and we did Freddy, Jason, uh, Michael Myers, Chucky, and Deadites from Evil Dead. Yes, because yeah. we brought in Ash. Of course. And um, we came in second place, and one of the judges said the reason that this isn't going to win is because 
I want to see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this is incredibly necessary. <laughs> like, oh, <come> so. <laughs> One of my crowning achievement movie sequels that I came up with in my life was a sequel to both Ferris Bueller's Day Off <laughs> and the 1998 Godzilla movie because they both have Matthew Broderick. <laughs> it's called uh, Ferris Bueller's Day On parentheses as a dinosaur hunter and the idea is that ferris bueller has grown up and he's now like this worm scientist right uh, and and cameron and his girlfriend now live in new york and they're the they're the tv anchors right so yeah. that's them so you know they're that's in this, awesome so ferris is just tired and he's like i'm tired of studying worms i'm gonna go you know i'm taking a day off i'm going to new york so he goes to new york and he runs into cameron and uh, i don't remember her name his girlfriend in the movie, I can't yeah. the, the, His love interest. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh my god, I can't believe you guys are here. And then suddenly, out of the water rises like a hundred foot Jeffrey Jones. And they have to stop Jeffrey Jones from destroying New York. I think, so this is, I've been trying to pitch this for years and I can't get funding. For some reason, yeah. no, one, no one wants to fund this for me. Yeah. No, that's, that's Hollywood for you. They don't listen. <laughs> uh, what would you say the least necessary remake in terms of like the one that's already been made that made you angry? Oh, um, the the Hobbit movies. That should have just been one movie. Mm-hmm. The, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. the cartoon Hobbit from back in the day. I do too. That's a solid one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like he was too focused making sequels to or prequels rather to Lord of the Rings than he was mm. making the Hobbit. Instead of making it its own thing, he's trying to relate everything. Yeah. <laughs> my, my weirdest thing about that movie was I watched the Hobbit on HBO once, just like. I was just sitting around the house, right? I was like, oh, well, sure, The Hobbit. And I didn't hate it. I was expecting to, like... I didn't hate it, but I, I didn't like, love it. Because I like to hate watch a movie. I, I, I hate watched like, Green Lantern, like, three times. Just so I could watch it <laughs> oh, and be angry. Geez. I like, couldn't even get through that. <laughs> the, I wanted to Mystery Science Theater that movie so bad. Yeah. I just wanted to tape it. Yeah. Um, all right, give me a... How about a movie that people seem to love that you guys don't care for? Oh, uh, boy. Um... A lot of people love the Minions movie. I haven't seen it, but I already hate it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I hate the Minions. They're so they're a knockoff of the 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 rabbits. Rabbits, yeah, the yeah. rabbits. From Raymond. Name. Um, and those guys are so funny, but the Minions are so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the movie should just be called Marketing Campaign. Exactly, like it's, yeah. it's every kid loves it. They just sell tons of merchandise everywhere. It's yeah. I don't I understand why they made it because. Right. Because money talks, right? Right. Mm -hmm. You know what? I just thought of a really, um, of a necessary uh, remake um, or sequel, reboot, whatever. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. That's a fringe one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Such a good movie. I love that movie so much. (laughs) There's a few that I hope never get remade. Um, like Jaws, certainly. I, I, I'm waiting for that one to happen. Though that uh, one's coming. Shallows is kind of. Shallows is kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope they never remake Gremlins. I pitched Gremlins for the Franklin Square film series last time, and it got shot down in the last thing because there's that weird scene where they talk about how Santa's not real, and it comes mm-hmm. out of nowhere in the middle of the movie when Phoebe Cates tells that story about how her dad falls down the chimney. That's right, yeah. yes. And I was like, man, like more than the Gremlins, more than the scary part, I'll be so disappointed when my 11-year-old niece watches this scene and comes over and talks to me about like, wait a minute. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> like what 11 people know now, right? Kids learn early. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have kids. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. But um, I always consider Gremlins a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas yeah. movie. It's the second best Christmas movie behind Die Hard. Which, <laughs> that, that, is, that is on point. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, you guys mentioned uh, Rabbit Rabbits there. Raven Rabbit, Rabbit, yeah. You guys video game guys? 
little bit. bit. I mean, I would call ourselves gamers. Mm. But yeah. I certainly don't play online or anything. I, I do play video games. Mm. But <laughs> all right, so why can't they make a good video game movie? I mean, Live, Die, Repeat was a pretty good <laughs> video game movie for not being based on a video. It needs to not be based on a video game movie, but still feel like a video game. That yeah, maybe that I don't know. I feel like there's good video games that could easily be translated into good movies, but then it sort of is like well, why? L.A. Noir would be a good one. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, like Metal Gear Solid. Like, why don't they just make a Metal Gear Solid movie? I guess really because they're kind of like movies within themselves already. Yeah, it defeats the you purpose. Know? I suppose. yeah, I guess I guess you don't need to anymore. It's, it's I like, guess back in the day, there's a reason to turn these characters have them have like origins and a storyline and arc and everything else but now they already do so what's the point yeah it, but it's, it's funny the, the point you bring up it's so funny how off the rails they go like Super Mario went so far off the rails Resident <laughs> Evil like just That's, destroyed the railway and made yeah. it paved its own railway for a series <laughs> I, I kind of need to golf clap though for the Resident Evil people who just continue to make movies I don't I understand just, we saw a poster we went to the movies the other day and we saw a poster it's like they're, they're still going yeah they don't stop. <laughs> it's the final chapter though just like didn't they say know, that about Jason, the last one Jason had a final <laughs> chapter but they made a few more after <laughs> All right, so I'm going to toss a couple directors at you who uh, I like and are generally well-received. And I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you a question. Is it all over for them? <laughs> the first one, David Fincher. Where's David Fincher right now in his career? You David Fincher guys he at all? He seems yeah. like oh, he's, he's focusing more on, on being a producer right now than mm-hmm. directing. He's probably uh, making more money doing that. Yeah. yeah. So I assume um, maybe that's, that's why. I mean, because, you know, I can understand when these directors start getting older, they start thinking about possibly retiring. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even even if this is your passion and something you want to do mm. for, you know, a living, I, I, I'd assume eventually you'd want to retire just like everybody else, right? Yeah. Unless I'm missing something. Gone Girl was the last one, right? Was that the last Fincher major movie? Unless I'm missing something dramatic. I think so. I like Zodiac. Zodiac, Zodiac was good. Yeah, we talked about Zodiac last time. Yeah. Did you guys watch Dragon Tattoo? Uh, yeah. yeah. Was that good? I didn't see it. Yeah, it was good. All right, the other one I want to talk about is um, is Wes Anderson. Are you guys Wes Anderson guys? I am. I love Wes Anderson. You love Wes Anderson. Yeah, for sure. Do you? Did you like the last one? Moonrise Kingdom? Moonri- no, the one after no, that. What? Grand Budapest Hotel. He, like, yeah, I liked it. I didn't hate it. Um, I didn't, you know, it didn't tug my heartstrings like Life mm. Aquatic did, but um, I don't think it was necessarily meant to, though. I think that was... I think he focused more on a comedic element than anything else mm. with with that film. Yeah. And, and Ray Fiennes was was great. He was. He was. He, he, was, he stole that show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like when I watched Grand Budapest, I thought it was very beautiful, and I I, I loved the way it was shot and all the scenery. But I kind of I feel like I'm a little worn on the Wes Anderson thing, right? Like I feel like for some reason I'm like I kind of I don't know. Like, it strikes that kind of that. That 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 nostalgic vein yeah. that a lot of directors really can't. Yeah, I mean it's like I'll, I'll always love it just because that's kind of you know that's the stuff we kind of yeah. grew up on stop motion mm-hmm. and you know that look and feel of yeah. things. Mister Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> yeah. well, that being said, Fantastic Mister Fox I think was one of the best like movies I'd seen in a really long time. I think that's I my that sneaky movie. favorite Wes Anderson movie. I love that movie so much. I don't so think much. enough people have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> George yeah. Clooney is so great in that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need to talk to you about something that's come around the Newswire a lot the last few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen it already. Have you guys watched the trailer for the gritty new Power Rangers reboot? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on the Power Rangers reboot? Um, 
I mean, you want to talk unnecessary. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, for sure. Yeah, I don't know who who they're really marketing to. Like, I think the people that that yeah, do I like <laughs> that do like the Power Rangers are grown up enough to see. Oh no! I don't 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 put this in front of me well, that's, and that's expect me to eat it. <laughs> the Power Rangers were popular for a very specific reason, and it seems like they've gotten rid of all those specific reasons. Yeah, it's well, like not everything has to be gritty. No. It does, for lack of a better word. I feel like you could make a good Power Rangers movie if you did it in a certain way. I yeah, just it's don't called think... Voltron. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't think that the gritty is a good. Everything is gritty now. Over under that it's better than the new gritty Care Bears movie remake they're making. Have you guys seen that? No. No. Come on. No. It's not real. But you guys bought no. that though, right? No, no. 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 <laughs> You're saying no as in no. Uh, no, I just I I liked the Power Rangers as a kid. I think if you did it like sort of like the way they made the Brady Bunch movie, right? Where it's sort of in on the joke. Mm-hmm. You could make a really funny, like action comedy movie that's sort of interesting. Sure. But this is not the right version of this movie. Yeah. No, no it seems like whoever I don't know who owns this property but it seems like they're like hey Marvel's doing it let's do it with mm. this we own Power Rangers why not mm. and it's you know Marvel Marvel's successful because I mean they, they have a basis to like years of storylines to work off of and they're not changing it it's <laughs> they, yeah. I mean they created it <laughs> and it seems like everybody else is trying to morph into that even DC is <laughs> I see what you did there that <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a slow burn <laughs> <laughs> um, you just think Marvel's trending up or down it's been 10 episodes since I probably asked you how you how are your thoughts on the Marvel movies today I still like them I, still I like loved uh, yeah. Civil War Ant-Man was, was that the last one me. yeah Civil War was the last one yeah, yeah. I watched. I watched it on uh, again, like not in the theater. It was still still holds up, still entertaining. Yeah, it was very entertaining. Yeah, I didn't. Great. I didn't watch the X Men movie because I heard it was the hottest trash that's ever I existed. I fell asleep. Yeah, it was mm. so awful. Mm. No, I did not. I was like, it was like I fell asleep. Anger. I was like, no, no. Tossing. <laughs> <laughs> guys, before we uh, plug the promo and we talk about these discs you have in front of you, uh, <clears throat> since you guys are my my go to movie guys, can you give us some fringe recommendations for our listeners if they're looking for some some deep dive movies they can get into for Halloween or just in general? Let's stick to Halloween. It's getting close. Yeah, it's right. getting close there. Well, anything that Astron Six makes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would say Father's Day. Day. Definitely do that. But you got to be ready. It is, it is trauma. Like. Mm. It, it's trauma-esque. It's yeah. it's all Astron, but it's it's trauma as well. Um, Void's coming out soon. I can't yeah, wait to see Void. that. Um, fringe <clears throat> ones that just came out. I mean, The Witch was great. Yes! Oh, I'm so sure. glad you guys said that because Kevin has been talking my ear off about The Witch and how I need to watch it. It's you do. incredible. Yes. Yeah. I really, really, really like that yeah. movie. Yeah. I, can't, I can't understand how much I love that movie. I'm I mean, going to have to go watch it like now, I suppose. It's just, it's creepy and yeah. wonderfully... It's 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 scary in all the right ways. <laughs> There's um what we do in the shadows. If you haven't seen that, I've heard yeah. about that. Oh yeah, see that. Yeah. If you want to laugh, it's we, like we a... recommended that for part of the uh, Franklin Square series. Mm. But sadly, got shot down. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like a joke a minute. Like it, it's it's great. It's done by the uh, the guys that did um, Takai. Uh, 
Flight of the um, Concords. Oh, okay. What's his name? Yeah. Is Takai? George Takai? I might be saying no, I forget his name. Or I'd have to see it in front of me to be able to say it. He's a New Zealand guy. He's yeah, he just had. Uh... He's doing the new Thor, actually. Oh, that's right. Yeah. There's another Thor movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, Thor Ragnarok. 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 Yeah, the Hulk and Thor buddy comedy. I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like yeah. Midnight Run with the Hulk and Thor. I'm totally into <laughs> it. Lethal Weapon with the Hulk and Thor. Yes. Hulk too old for this shit. Um, I would have to say uh, we watched Ex Machina. Kevin watched The Witch and then watched Ex Machina with me right afterwards. He caught both of those in the same day. I thought Ex Machina was very impressive. I mean, yeah. you love Twilight Zone, so that's right up your alley. Oh, man. Yeah. That ending got me. When I'm not going to spoil it, but the the last like ten that's... minutes of that movie, it's tough. It's tough for me. I was like, Ooh. So good. It's <laughs> guys. Let's talk about these discs you have in front of you. Okay. So they're, I have magical these, discs. These four discs. Uh, they were given to us by a wizard. No. Yeah. <laughs> so this is gonna go back. I'll have Mikey start this story. This goes back. I feel really bad about something that went down right after Jaws. After okay. we did the the Jaws screening, um, in Franklin Square. You came over to me, yeah. Sam, and oh yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Where's he going with this? Do you want to start it?" When you show, you were showing me the beer your buddy gave me. Oh yeah, the Nagaset, the Narragansett, yeah, the Narragansett can. It was the beer from Jaws. Yes, the same, and, same style can and everything. Yeah, crush it like Quint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." You know, Mario's a big beer nut. You should show him that. Yeah, <laughs> and I, he just assumed that you were giving it to him. <laughs> so I <laughs> took it. Yes, I took it. I and, you know, the the infinite ways uh, that I cannot read a situation like that was that was it. I forgot about that. And um, and I, I ended up apologizing to you like the day after. I'm like, oh my god, I didn't read the the, the writing on the wall. So what this is? This is um, this is something called Violence Day. Violence Day. So Violence Day Volume One through Four. Now what this is? This started. Uh, probably in between high school and college for me and my friends we got together we were all single and it was Valentine's Day so we wanted to watch some blood <laughs> and gore so we watched for the first time Exorcist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre back to back ooh intense and you know that blew our minds yes and so you know a few years pass and um, you know I go to college and I find out about this lovely game called Power Hour mm-hmm. so Power Hour if for people at home that don't know what it is it's Every minute for an hour, you're supposed to, like, drink a shot or have a sip of beer or something mm-hmm. like it. So what I did is I made the Violence Day Power Hour, which mm-hmm. is minute-long clips that change up from all these gory movies, horror movies, yeah. action movies, whatever. Um, made Volume 1 all by myself. Oh, man. And then, you know, my friends started to love it, and I got a bunch of help for Volume 2, 3, and 4. And these are yours, sir. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you gotta understand, like I, me and my my good buddy from the old podcast, Dano. Uh, he, shout out to Dano. We had this thing. We were right around Halloween. We would always go on YouTube and just watch all the deaths from all the Jason movies in a row, and then just laugh our asses off. Yep. Because this is this makes me so happy yep. on such a weird yeah, cerebral so it, level. It's, it, it's so, a very strange thing. <laughs> it feels like to make a compilation of, but, but it's no, this is great. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's something that we bring up around Halloween anyway, and we're like, oh, we haven't done the Power Hour um, in a while. Let's bring those up. This is. I'm actually very excited for this. I'm almost going to put this on the minute we get out of the yeah. uh, studio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lads, October 22nd, Franklin Square Film Series. Uh, we're going to be showing Hocus Pocus 6.30, and then 8 o'clock is Halloween, <laughs> I think. 6.30, I think is... 6.30? Yeah, because okay. by then the sun's going to be down by like... 
four in the afternoon. Don't call me uh, that. Guys, this is, I'm very, very excited to be working with you guys again. We love having you on the show. Uh, I need being to, here. Yeah. I need to point out you're wearing a San Francisco Giants hat. I'm a Giants fan. My initials are Sam Famolaro. I think we've talked about this before. Those are my favorite hat in the world. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they're playing tonight in the playoffs. Am I forcing you to not watch the Giants? Yeah, uh, no, you're not forcing me. <laughs> but, no, uh, yeah, they're playing the Cubs. The Cubbies. Is it right now? Uh, I don't I, I, you know, I, I've been so busy today, I forgot to even check if they're playing tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check right now. Folks, thank you for joining us on this week's interview. You can go to, uh, follow you guys on Twitter at underscore nomad underscore cinema. Yep, that's right. our Twitter handle. Um, But nomad-cinema.com for past, present, future, <laughs> whatever we're showing. Yeah. <laughs> Mario, Mike, it's a real pleasure to have you guys back on, yeah, as always. Us. Uh, anytime you guys want to come back. Not anytime. Don't come back next week because then I got to space it out afterwards. <laughs> uh, we'll see you guys in a few weeks. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. Two of my favorite people in the world. And I gotta say, uh, Mike and Mario, they joined the Two Timers Club, which we've talked about in the show. Two time guests on the podcast. They left the trophy here, which everybody does when they come to the show. So next time they stop back, Mike and Mario, grab your trophy. However, Mike and Mario brought us those gifts, which we talked about in the uh, on the interview. He brought me a compilation of uh, violent scenes from horror movies. He brought me a four disc compilation of them. It's called Violence Day. He, uh, it's there's four discs of it. It's oh it's. Amazing. Uh, I needed to shout out to Mike. We've had problems when Mike and Mario were here after the interview. We were going to watch them together, and I had some uh, problems with my DVD slash Xbox. We couldn't do it. But uh, rest assured, the videos are excellent. Mike and Mario, you guys are the best. Mario, you're shaking your head. That is so cool. (laughs) Why can I get a copy? That is awesome. Yo, I'll I'll burn you a copy. I'm so glad to get somebody in here who, like, it just seems like you like like, horror movies, scary shit. Oh, my God, I was raised Thank you. Everybody's always like, all right, horror movies. I'm like, yeah, I like horror movies. Oh, my God. The more guts and just (laughs) brains and just limbs falling off... The better. <laughs> I live for that stuff. I'm not even kidding. So you would say that the movies we'll be seeing this weekend at the uh, Franklin Square Fright Night, Hocus Pocus and Halloween, are not gory enough for you? Um, I'll definitely still watch them. They're still Certainly. some of my favorite movies. But yeah, you know, I would like to up the ante on it. It's not my no, go-to. Definitely. Uh, that's what we should talk. When we get the mayor back on, we should ask him about playing like hardcore gory torture porn. On an open screen downtown and downtown, yes. that's the plan. Just all the hostile that's the films. Plan. Yeah, yeah, it's all hostile. All hostile films. The hills have eyes. Um, East oh, Utica no, has no, no, eyes. No. Now, mind you, I think the Hocus Pocus Halloween were great choices made by our Maiden Utica staff and crew. Uh, although I wasn't, I wasn't brought into the conversation, Justin and Katie. You know, it's all Queen Katie. It if it was all, Justin, yeah, it would Katie. be the worst. That's true. Uh, I would have. I don't know what I would have chosen. I guess we could have that conversation next week on the Halloween episode. Of course, I'm just saying. I just want to watch The Thing one of these days, guys. Mm. Just I want to watch John Carpenter's The Thing somewhere. That sounds like fun. It's not a great I almost feel like movie. I'm a little bit past The Thing. I feel like we've watched it so much in the last year. I could watch it a million times. I could I could always, but I feel like I'm very... I'm high. Everybody should just watch The Witch. Oh, listen to Mike yeah. and Mario say it. I've been saying it. Watch The Witch. Yes. yes. And like, turn off your phone. Don't look at your phone. Pay attention. Turn mm. off the lights at your house. Watch that movie. <laughs> guys, are you ready for that time? 
Yeah. It's that time, folks. It's this week's edition of Yesterday's History Today, brought to you by me. Learn history, folks. History is important. <laughs> uh, on this day, October 17th, uh, 1931, notorious gangster Al Capone was sentenced to 11 years in prison for tax evasion and fined a whopping $80,000, signaling the downfall of one of the most notorious criminals of the 20s and 30s. Uh, by the end of 1930, following his run with uh, with illegal bootlegging, uh, Al Capone had become the number one FBI most wanted in the entire country. Uh, he was jailed in 1931 after tax evasion, um, he avoided jail during prohibition times, uh, prohibition times, pardon me, by bribing city officials, intimidating witnesses, and manipulating various hideouts across the city. So, uh, Al Capone, today was the day. Tough go. He had a good run, being a gangster. Tax evasion, that'll get you. Pay your taxes, folks. See? See? We talked about taxes in the last segment. Taxes were too high. He tried to evade them. Couldn't do it. Yikes. That was a good one. Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Al Capone! Al Capone was tight. You know, I actually went to a restaurant in Chicago that uh, where the St. Valentine's Day massacre occurred. They turned it into a restaurant. It's like a pizza and grinder restaurant now. Aww. Yeah. That's romantic. It is. <laughs> In a way. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, that's your history lesson. Uh, so, guys, let's talk about... Uh, we're going to talk about some stuff today that I actually uh, found on Vox.com. I don't always go to the same sources for where we get our news, but I, I found both these stories on Vox.com today. I was very pleased with Vox.com. Good work, guys. Uh, the first Don't one... you dare say their name one more time unless they sponsor us. Don't give them the full.com. <laughs> I feel... Don't give us some sponsorship dollars if they want you giving them that many plugs. Yo, sponsor us, Vox.com. And also, <laughs> uh, Vox amplifiers for all you guitar players. You can sponsor us as well. That's I'll a, take... That's very different. That's very different. Uh, well, the article today was actually about 30s, or as they referred to it, the decade where friendships disappear. Uh, the point of this article... Uh, focused around uh, following the exit from college, uh, you tend to stay close to your friends as they help you make important decisions about what you're going to do with your career and relationships following college. Mm -hmm. The irony is these decisions that your friends tend to help you make more often than not lead to you not spending any time with these people going forward. Right. Um, so we have a couple of ways we can do this. Kev, I want to start with you here. You're a gentleman in your 30s. Where do you feel like your situation with friends is in your 30s compared to the 20s? Uh, number one, I'm a gentleman who is 30. 30, don't you, yes. don't you put that evil on me that I'm in my 30s <laughs> until <laughs> Wednesday when it's my birthday and I will be 31. Um, there we go. Um, I, I've always been so blessed. Mm. I have always had so many wonderful friends that I could count on for almost everything. And I've got friends now who have been my friends for... 15, 16, 20 years, some of them, guys, who I'm still just as close to. And for sure, and I've been lucky enough to meet, like, make friends past the years where people normally make friends. Like, there's mm -hmm. a lot of great friends I've made when I'm, like, 27, 28, only a couple years ago, and most people already have their friends. And for sure, a lot of my close friends I don't talk to anywhere near as much as I used to. We used to, you know, hang out every day and this and that. But one of the nice things you realize when you have that true, genuine relationship with somebody, it never goes away. So maybe I don't talk to, like, a right. specific friend for... You know, one month, three months, six months sometimes, but that person's always there. Um, I mean, 
what else do you, what else does Vox.com really expect though? Like you turn 30, people mm. are married now. People have kids now. People are moving for jobs now. People are working mm-hmm. full. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. And even my job doesn't give me enough time, as much time as I'd like to, mm-hmm. you know, just dick around on the moon with my friends. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Mar, you're on the other side of this argument. You are, as we mentioned last episode, you're 23 years old. Yes, I am. Uh, here's a stat for you. After the age of 25, you start losing more friends than you gain every year. Is this a concern for you? Um, no. I I never really had a large group of friends. I don't know. I guess my definition of friend is different than most people's. Mm-hmm. I think social media in general has really disgraced the meaning of the word friend. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I really don't have mm. that many friends. <laughs> like, if you look at my Facebook, maybe you would think that, but that's that's not how it is. But, I mean, I've, I've always like kept a pretty close knit of friends but none of them are really friends with each other they're all separate mm-hmm. people from diff- different mm-hmm. parts of my life but honestly most of my friends are settling down and having kids now <laughs> or already have mm. um so i don't think it's gonna take that long yeah it makes Jesus, sense at 23 yeah that's insane mm. yeah and i'm like one of the older ones of some of my friends so See, I, uh, as a 30-year-old, uh, directly on 30, not closer to 31, obviously, um, I, I feel I hope that, like... I hope that keeps you warm. It doesn't. I hope that I'm keeps you warm. freezing. I'm freezing cold. Uh, no, look, I, I, I sort of fell in the same boat with you, Kev, but I, I wonder sometimes... Um, there was a line from an episode of BoJack Horseman that we watched. It's kind of <laughs> random. Where he made this line and he said, you get to a point in time sometimes when you are... Um, I wouldn't call myself a public figure, but I put myself out there. People hear my voice every week on the mm-hmm. damn podcast where I'm being Utica stuff. Lots of people like me, but I don't know how many people love me, yeah. right? And I don't mean like, oh, I want people to love me from a fan perspective, but I wonder how many relationships I forge are just acquaintances and how many of them will actually carry on and matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said a long time ago, and I, used, I, I said this when I left Proctor, I had a great group of friends in Proctor, and I was playing in bands, and Kev, we were friends back then, and I had this great group of musician friends, and when I went to New York City, take a shot, I said to myself, I'm done making friends. Any friends I make from here on out will be bonus friends, but I am not going out of my way to meet any new friends or acquaintances. Anything else that happens will happen naturally, but I'm not hunting down. No new friends. No new friends. Yeah. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, now, this is actually, I've sort of fallen away from this as I get closer to 30. Uh, because one of the points that I thought was really excellent in this article by uh, Katie Shelnut, uh, which you should go check out again. I thought this was a really, really good article, so I just want to point that out. Um, <laughs> Where'd you find it? <laughs> I don't know, it was on the internet somewhere. Oh, the internet. One of those internet friends. Uh, oh, the internet. One of my internet friends <laughs> sent it to me via social media. Um, uh, the ease... It's very easy and very lonely to just keep to yourself. And it becomes much easier and you become much more aware of how lonely it is as you get older. I don't tend to go out all that often between school and work and grad school and podcasting and all the other stuff we do. On the days that I do find myself off, it's almost like a struggle for me Mm -hmm. to drag myself out into the world and interact with people who aren't my immediate crew of people. Well, that's why, because you you put... Once you start saying, I don't want to make any more friends, I don't want to meet new people, you start losing those social skills that are just coming naturally when you're always just trying to make new friends. And you should never really stop doing Mm. that. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Regardless of what your goal is when you're meeting people. I agree with that, and I think that's a great point. And I think that is one of the things, because, you know, they talk about when you get older, you don't really make friends the same way. And I think social skills are one of those things. If you don't stay sharp, if you don't mm. stay, like, fresh and keep, you know, the tools well-oiled and everything, mm. you do kind of lose them. And, you know, you take it for granted when you're younger, but as you get older, you're not put in as many situations as you are when you're, like, right out of high school in college to just be social and be meeting people all the time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, if you think about, like, you know, Sam, I use an example of you. You think about, like, back when we were 20, when's the last time you went to a house party with 100 people you didn't know and made a whole bunch of friends? Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen anymore because yeah. those situations don't happen. You know what I mean? Everybody's yeah. got their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you don't keep those social skills sharp, mm-hmm. and you see it not even just friendships but relationships, too. Like, if you don't keep that stuff sharp and you don't keep yes. it ready to go, yeah. you're not going to be able to, you know what I mean, like, compete and get to where you want to be well because it's gotten so easy becoming friends with people that you don't need those social skills anymore you have facebook you can just mm-hmm. like their picture you can just send them a snapchat you don't need to have an actual mm-hmm. conversation with anybody who's worth being friends. your friend you're going to need to have those skills for. yeah mm-hmm. absolutely uh i think too as it, as you get more advanced in your later 30s or not, not that i would know much about later 30s yet but i feel like as i get farther into my 30s uh, it becomes harder to listen to that vo- that insecure voice in your head and say, stop that, mm-hmm. go be a human being. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it too, and again, this I, I don't know how much this goes for other people, but at least for a guy like me who felt like I was either playing in bands or I was in front of people or talking to people, I always felt this urge, even from my, like, my 15, 16, 17-year-old age up until almost now, where I felt the need to be on at all times because oh, the yeah. image that's of pres- always yeah. been you. Yeah, always, always feel the need you. to be on because you never know who you're going to meet, who needs to be aware of who you are and what you can offer. And as I get farther and farther away from that, I relish these moments where I don't have to be on, and those yeah. moments become farther and farther away. Actually, as I get into career stuff and uh and school stuff because even at school and work now i feel like i need to be on constantly i need Mm -hmm. to be engaging to people and it's exhausting it's expected now Mm. really and that's the one thing i respect about still having the friends i have i can come home late at night and i can watch tv with kev or justin or uh, or i can talk to katie and jill and mark and we can and I don't have to be on. I can just be the person I am. Yeah. And maybe Kevin will sit here and claim that I'm on all the time, even when I'm with my friends. But that's, <laughs> that's a lot all. of the time. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of the time. But that, a lot of that is your, and you know, because everybody's experience is so different. Because a lot of that is you just letting go of that feeling, like I feel like I need to be on. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's, but that's always been, you know, I I can definitely understand the notion of. I think that's part of the reason, like, all summer long, I didn't really do anything. Cause I had a job that forced me to be out and be around thousands mm-hmm. of people for 16 hours mm-hmm. at a time, all yeah. the time. And so, like, when I get done and people are like, oh, come down and meet me at, like, Nail Creek. I'd love going down to Nail Creek for beers, but I'm like, the last thing I want to do mm-hmm. is go out and be in a crowd and run into more acquaintances and be on. You yeah. know what I mean? That's yeah. I think that's a lot of what it is. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. And talking to people is exhausting, too. Like, it doesn't seem like it. I feel exhausted now. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> this is exhausting. No, like, I, jokes aside, like, when... Like, ever. Jokes well. aside, when we're finished with this episode <laughs> and I have to cut everything together, I will be exhausted. Like, I will be tired from all the talking and, and the process of getting this stuff together. <laughs> and, like, it, interacting with people is not just as simple as exchanging words. Like, there is... An, there's... Tons of cognitive, uh, conscious and unconscious brain activity that goes on when you're communicating with people. And it is exhausting after an extended period of time. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep right now. Yeah. Um, 
So, let's see here. Do we want to do this last segment? I feel like we're not going to do it justice if we don't. Ah, well, let's do it. You want to save it and just talk trash about other stuff? And maybe, like, save yourself some writing next Monday? Yeah, I guess we could. Oh, um, you guys are never going to know what this is and how cool it was. Well, we'll, we'll know cool about it. Topic. Oh, you know what, though? We guess we shouldn't. We should do it now because we're going to do Halloween stuff next week. Okay. It's going to be Halloween stuff. So let's talk about this. Uh, again, this is another article from the previously aforementioned website, which I won't mention again because Kevin will get mad at me. Yes. Uh, but this is actually an article that I also found fascinating about something called the era of technological unemployment. Uh, Andy Stein, who this article is an interview with, was the former uh, head of the SEIU, the Service Employees International Union, which uh, put to work over 2 million workers in the United States and Canada uh, during the early 2000s and mid-2000s before he left. Uh, and what he talked about is because of the advances in technology, because technological change is accelerating, uh, it's going to continue to displace workers so much so that over the next decade, we may lose as many as 5 million jobs based on the advance of technology. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there for you folks, see what your thoughts were on that. How scary on that? How scary is that for you guys? Level of uh, 0 to 10. Um. I don't know. I, I guess it depends how society is going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I think it could go one way or the other. I think it could go really, really well, and I think it could go really, really bad. But if um, <laughs> the election is going the way it is going, mm. I don't know how well everyone's going to want to work with each other. Uh, people have yes. to start trusting each other, trusting other people's opinions and their ideals. And until that happens, no matter what happens with technology, we're going to be in the toilet. <laughs> That's so. a fair point. Uh, I, yeah, I, I've actually, I've read a lot about this about like guaranteed basic income and yeah. you know different like basically post work society. It's inevitable that if we keep going on the path we're going, unless we have some huge regression where we go back to like the dark ages and mm-hmm. like we stop moving forward, it's inevitable we're getting to the point where we have more people than we have jobs for those people to do. Mm-hmm. That's just the way that it's going to be. And I think Mara, you made a good point when you were like. It kind of depends on what society is going to do because realistically, we're going to get we're at a point now we should already be having mm-hmm. at least conversations as a society about guaranteed basic income. Yeah. Now the problem with that is if you tried to if I took one of like you know my older super conservative uncles and tried to explain to them what guaranteed basic income is and why we need it, what they would hear is oh you just want free stuff you just want to give mm. handouts yeah welfare and state. a lot of it is yeah and a lot of it is because of this you know this venomous fear mongering that's been going on in the echo chamber of the media that a lot of those types of people consume but I don't have a lot of faith that we can have the level of adult discourse that we need to have about guaranteed basic income and about this thing and the problem is if we never have that conversation and we keep slipping towards this you know technological future. Mm-hmm. That there's there's two ways it ends up. We either live in like a utopian society where everybody's free to pursue you know matters of the heart and mind and the soul and things like that, and everybody's chill and everything's wonderful, or we have a thing where the people who control the automation, the people who control things now, you know, the big companies, the you know the politicians, the different things like that, who control who will control this technology that's going to take the jobs. Those people just basically turn us all into like you know, practically, like, slave class and everybody's poor except for, like, these very yeah. small, small amounts of people and they just hand us what little morsels they can give us. Mm. And if we don't start having adult conversations about this soon, it's going to sneak up on it. Mm-hmm. And whether you're a conservative or whether you're a liberal or whether what you are, chances are if you're listening to this or if you're somebody that you know in regular life, you're not going to come out on the good side of that. No. Mm-hmm. So it's time to start having an adult conversation. I wish the people would at least start, you know, learning about it mm-hmm. and educating about it. I'm glad that a uh, mainstream website like that at least put something out about it to start the conversation. Mm. 
But, you know, the problem is we're with so many other things, we're going to have to wait until more open-minded generations take power until you can start seeing that conversation come to fruition. Mm. Mm. It's like we always say, old folks don't get better, they just get worse. You need that <laughs> earlier generation to learn from our mistakes and yep. do better. Uh, i just give you a quick stat that I thought was fascinating about this. We talked about Uber before on here and about the self-driving cars. It's been a topic, a topic of conversation. The largest job in 29 different states in our country is truck driving. Mm-hmm. So let's just think about that for a second, right? You take mm-hmm. the largest job from 29 that's states. That's a lot of red states. It's a lot of red states, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's an entire workforce depleted by the advance of technology. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing that right. we need to be aware of. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the universal basic uh, income thing. It goes under a, a variety of different names. The idea being form of Social Security uh, that all citizens would regularly receive. Um, is it? Is it an unconditional amount of money, and regardless to whatever they're making, otherwhere. So, so you would always make. Yeah, basically the layman's terms of it, because this is something that's really interesting. I've actually read a lot about this. The layman's terms. I'm just going to pick a miscellaneous number, but basically they'd be saying for you know guaranteed universal basic income would be saying every single citizen in this country past you know the age of 18 or whatever will receive thirty five thousand dollars a year. If you want more than that, you are more than welcome to go get a job, go to school so you can get higher qualifications, go make as much mm. money as you can. But every single person we have here is going to get this base level of living expenses and life covered for them because, you know, all these people are, you know, the people, like you said, are susceptible to it. These people like truck drivers, these people like service industry workers, even people who do construction, you know what I mean? Different stuff like that. There's going to be robots that do your jobs Hmm. and these people need the money from somewhere. And, you know, you're not just going to magically like make jobs appear out of nothing. So basically the idea is that everybody would get X amount of dollars deemed fit, you know, for living expenses, then it's up to you to go make more if you'd like to make more. Interesting. Mar, do you feel like you are going to lose your job to a robot anytime soon? Uh, to an extent, I sometimes I already do. That's <laughs> you a know? fair point. People already take their pictures, you know, some pe- a lot of people are like, oh, just take pictures with your cell phones at our wedding. Mm. <laughs> Interesting angle. I didn't think there about it, it like that. There no, it goes. There it goes the job. It's true, though. <laughs> it's, that's it's and it, well, and it's also, but it's also getting to a point where, like you know, maybe ten years ago, if you were gonna have a wedding or if you wanted, you know, really nice, high quality photos of your baby, mm-hmm. you have to own expensive equipment and you have to really know the ins and outs. And now, I'm still a firm believer in photography and the fact that you know, to get good photos, you still need the person. Yeah. Mm. But the gear doesn't hurt. And the fact that you have cameras that are as nice as they are on, like, new iPhones and stuff like that makes people be like, well, why am I going to pay, you know, Mar, the photographer, this money to take pictures of my baby? These are great pictures that I took. And that is a way that I probably wouldn't have thought of, but it is losing out to robots, basically. Because a lot of people aren't getting a photographer just just to document something. A lot of people should be getting a photographer because they're paying for art. Mm-hmm. And mm. you're you're paying for their style, you're paying for their art, you're paying for their work, you're paying for their effort. It's it's not always about oh well I just I just want to remember that this happened. That's, There's a picture you know, of this kid right forever. here. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Take stuff like that. But at this point, I'm basically selling myself as an artist. <laughs> uh, well, you're doing a fine job. Thank you, yeah. uh, folks. That's all we have for you this week. You can follow uh, Mara on Twitter now. I f- we found it. We figured remember, it out. Remember, it. hyphenated last names slide the DMs. <laughs> If you've got uh, ideas for her roller derby, derby name, send it to all of us. Oh, send it to Mara Olivia with two A's at the end. You got another name I didn't know about in here. Oh, what names you got? I have four. Mara, Olivia, Avery, Drayton. 
Yeah. Moad. Oh, there's your nickname. There Moad. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Very poor. <laughs> no Very effort. Low hanging fruit. <laughs> if you want to see more of Mara's work, uh, follow her on Instagram at ADP Gallery. Uh, follow or don't follow Kevin on Twitter at underscore Kevin Sullivan. He seems ambivalent to it either way. <laughs> uh, please follow me, though, at Twitter at SFDoom because I'm trying to get that nickname over. Follow us at the Uticast. Uh, go to Uticast.com. Send us a mailbag question to Uticast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, that's all I got for you, folks. We had a, we had a good one. It's fun. Oh, yeah. Halloween episode next week, guys. Send us in your Halloween mailbag questions. Yes. Spooky questions only. <laughs> only spooky ones. It's going to be beautiful. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>